What do you turn to when things get really tough? I turn to non-fiction books. <laughs> I'm Lisa Leong and with me for the bonus this week is Steph Clark, facilitator and podcast host of Steph's Business Bookshelf. G'day, Steph. Hey, Lisa. And you've got a doozy of a book for us. Victor E. Frankel's Man's Search for Meaning, a small book, but it's a massive book. What brought you to this book? I read it years ago, actually, and really enjoyed it. And that period of history just fascinates me in terms of the experience. And I came back to it just a few weeks ago, actually, because I thought, I really need to reread that. It's definitely the kind of book you need to reread. And it is just so relevant at the moment. Tell me, so for people who don't know this book, can you give us the background? Mm. So who's Victor E. Frankel for a start? Let's call him Victor, shall we? So Victor Frankel, (laughs) he is a psychiatrist. He was born in Austria and he unfortunately spent three years in four different concentration camps, including Auschwitz and Dachau. And during that time, he, well, he obviously survived, which was, was incredible really when you read the book and see what he what he went through. And one of the really interesting things is that he observed incredible human behavior during that time, which we'll kind of talk about as we go through this conversation. Uh, He also is famous from a professional perspective. He's professionally well known for his theory, which is logotherapy, which is all about a meaning, a meaning driven way of thinking about life and how our brains work and how we create meaning in life. So literally this book is, I don't want to big it up too much, but it does contain the meaning of life. And I sort of tried to read this book really weirdly, like sort of pre-corona and only got halfway, actually. And so when you said, oh, look, you know, I'd really like to discuss this book, it was funny, I, I picked it up too and I went, oh, wow, this is like the perfect time to come to this book. So what did you learn in your second reading of this book for this moment in time, Steph? The bit that's most relevant for now, there's probably two things. One is the perspective. And and I, I hesitate to say this because it also feels a little bit crude to say, oh, well, you know, we're not in a, in a concentration camp, so therefore everything's fine because that could be seen as dismissing the things that people are going through at the moment. But what it does do is it kind of, it shows that no matter what you're going through, one of the biggest statements that he makes through it is that, you can still choose how you act and react regardless of what you're going through and what suffering you're going through and what struggles you're going through at the time. And I think that is just hugely relevant at the moment when we see some of the quick descent of conversation, which goes quickly out of conversation into something much worse. So that that piece on being able to choose your choose your attitude and choose your behaviour because you're still a person, you still have, you always have control of that. And can I just say, so I was having a flick through this morning and something popped out at me. It was um, that he really just started remembering his wife. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, in terms of choosing what to focus on, he really chose the pure love that he felt for his wife. And that really helped him a lot. Yeah. And that was the other thing, the other the big ideas from it is, is around the idea of hope and what you're holding on to and having that sense of meaning, be it through the relationships you have, something incredible in your life, your professional work, whatever it is, but holding on to that as a way of giving you hope to get through. And the, probably one of the most famous quotes from the book is, he who has a why can endure almost any how. 
He who has a why can... Yeah, I love that. And how's that relevant, do you think, to your sort of work life at the moment, Steph? At the moment, it's it's both of those ideas. So it's choosing, even though we're all going through this period of time and it's clearly affecting everyone very differently, it is understanding that things will get better. This too shall pass and all of these kind of good, <laughs> what feel like platitudes that are absolutely true. And we still get to control how we behave, how we act to ourselves, to other people, our family, our friends, our colleagues, etc., regardless of what's going on, because that has not been taken away from us. Well, it's a bit of a gratitude practice. That's what I found from mm-hmm. looking at it this morning, sort of dipping back into it. And like, I think I feel like you've motivated me to finish it. I would. What happens in the end? Is there any spoiler alert? He survives, so that's good. Yay. Oh, that's good. <laughs> we know that. Phew. It's a book exists. <laughs> well, it was funny because, you know, when I left it, I actually left it in the darkest moment. I think I was, fi- mm. I mean, it's it's hard book to read in terms of what we, you know, human suffering, right? Yeah. And so I think what you've motivated me to do is <laughs> read the rest of the story about the hope because he says when you lose the hope, that's your mind, but it affects your body. So he found that um, with the other people he was with, once they lost that hope, mm. they were dead. And there's a really interesting point in there around around that hope, and, and I think super relevant in particularly in Victoria at this particular point in time is not attaching hope to certain dates. And this was they they said, and again, sort of you know, slight spoiler alert for something in the book, but. They found that the death rate between Christmas and New Year just hugely escalated in the camps because people had just set themselves this hope that they would be home by Christmas and they would be liberated by Christmas and they'd get home to see their family and friends. And when they didn't, they obviously then, that that obviously didn't happen and they died. They literally lost hope. Their bodies, their minds just decayed as the the language that Victor uses and they died because they lost that hope because it was so pinned on such a specific event rather than it just being in the future. Interesting thoughts. Well, thank you so much, Steph. Mm, you're welcome. And I hope you enjoy that book, Victor Frankel's Man's Search for Meaning. I'm Lisa Leong, and until next time, keep working. Keep working.